Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. And if true crime is your jam and like me, you enjoy delving into unsolved cases, trying to figure out who done it, please consider subscribing. Also, please hit that like button. It's a free way that you can say thanks. It's a story that reads like a Danielle Steele novel. An heiress to a billion dollar fortune crosses paths with an impoverished man from the other side of the tracks. The heiress has been nurtured by her loving parents. The impoverished man has spent more than half his life in prison, starting at age 16, where she is full of joy and a bright light. He is all darkness with a cold heart. Our story begins in the wee hours of the morning on September 1st of 2022. It involves a long run along the same route near the local university. This run takes place every day at the same hour. She has a cell phone in hand and music playing in her ears for inspiration. Everything feels good and familiar, but that familiarity has bred a false sense of security. Unbeknownst to the female runner, a violent predator is lurking in a vehicle nearby. He's waiting in the shadows and watching with dark, cold eyes. He's ready to pounce when the moment's just right. He's been trawling for the right victim for days and has settled on this one based on her gender and the early hour when, like clockwork, she bounds solo down the vacant streets while most of the city slumbers. The hunter has done this before, and he's come prepared with a toolkit. To this monster, the runner is just prey to catch, use, destroy and discard. He should be behind bars because he's done this before, but fooled the justice system, and they have unleashed him on the city of Memphis without warning. This will be the runner's final run. 34-year-old Eliza Fletcher, or Liza as she's known to her friends and family, gets up early that Friday, around 3.30 a.m., an hour when the rest of her family is still tucked warmly in their beds, deep in dreamland. She's an avid runner, and not the three-mile jog around the neighborhood variety. No, she's a serious athlete who runs 10 miles a day or more to train for marathons, and she's good at it. She finished the local St. Jude Marathon in 3 hours, 26 minutes, and 9 seconds, a time fast enough to qualify for the elite Boston Marathon. Running each morning isn't an option. It's a necessity. So despite the early hour and the darkness outside, Eliza dons her purple Lululemon running shorts, 
a pink sports bra, and her running shoes, being an heiress to a billion-dollar family fortune, money that could mean a leisurely life without a job, Eliza works as a kindergarten teacher at a local Catholic school, a pursuit that requires a nurturing soul, someone who loves little children and can walk the tightrope between instructor and surrogate mother. And her students love her. Without a doubt, she's the one teacher whose name they will remember when they are old and gray and sitting by the fire. Eliza has her own little ones at home as well, two young boys. Her husband, Richard Fletcher III, remains at home in bed as Eliza runs. They've been married since 2014. Round about 4 a.m., Eliza sets out with her cell phone and water bottle in hand. By 4.15 a.m., she's already a few miles from home, close enough to feel safe, but too far away for her husband's protective reach. As she approaches the intersection of Central Avenue and Zach H. Curtin Street near the university, a predator in a black GMC terrain SUV is secretly watching her every move. He's been driving around the area for 24 minutes, waiting for just the right moment to pounce. At approximately 4.20 a.m., he gets out of his vehicle, runs aggressively toward Eliza, and ambushes her from behind. Despite Eliza's athleticism and the fight she wages with all her might, he's stronger and bigger. As they tussle, his champion flip-flops come off his feet. He grabs her cell phone and smashes it on the pavement. Now there's no way for her to dial 911 or call home. He forces her into the front passenger seat and then drives off with his prey. She has likely already suffered a serious injury due to the violence of the abduction. But one has to wonder if he had the door handle on the passenger side removed, as Ted Bundy did, to prevent his victim from escaping. How did he manage to subdue her enough so that he could drive? The man navigates to a nearby parking lot where his SUV will sit for four minutes. Many retired detectives on YouTube believe he used those four minutes to take Eliza's life. Both the attack and this period in the parking lot are caught on surveillance cameras. After those four minutes, the man drives off. The predator may or may not know that the woman he's nabbed is a billionaire heiress and the granddaughter of Joseph Orgel III, the late Memphis hardware business owner and philanthropist. But he never asks for a ransom, and he has no intention of keeping Eliza alive. The predator drives with her in his car for an hour and a half. He eventually turns up at his brother's house. 
A few hours later, at 6.45 a.m., a biker riding along the same route that Eliza ran earlier that morning finds her cell phone along with those champion flip-flops on the pavement. The biker finds a number and calls Eliza's family. He arranges to hand over her phone and water bottle. It is unclear exactly when this biker contacted Eliza's family. Was it before or after they report her missing? We don't yet know. At 7.45, four hours after Eliza left for her run, her husband Richard calls the Memphis Police Department to report her missing. At 9 a.m., Memphis officials issue a citywide watch for Eliza. Local news outlets begin picking up the story, and law enforcement agencies, including the FBI and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, join the investigation. A frantic search for the mother of two ensues. In the afternoon, police name Eliza's abductor. 38-year-old Cleotha Abstin in a press conference. They announced that they linked DNA samples from the champion flip-flops to Abstin. Law enforcement names him a person of interest. Investigators also obtain Abstin's cell phone records, which place him smack at Central Avenue around the time of the abduction. The search continues as Eliza's family pray that she will return to them safely. Day turns to night, and Eliza remains missing. By now, her family is no doubt sick with worry, unable to sleep, utterly fraught with anxiety. Law enforcement doesn't sleep either. After an overnight search, officials with the U.S. Marshals Locate Cleotha Abstin's SUV. It is in a parking lot near where he lives. Then officials eye Abstin, attempting to flee. This time, he's the one who's caught unaware. He's the one who lacks the strength to overcome his opponent. And he's the one who will be forced into a vehicle. Although Abstin is apprehended, Eliza is not with him. A criminal from the age of 16, Cleotha is wizened to the ways of the law, and he refuses to speak. Two witnesses, including Cleotha's brother, 36-year-old Mario Abstin, report that they saw him acting strangely and state that he cleaned out his car the day before. It doesn't sound like these witnesses ever saw Eliza. Mario is then arrested and charged with drug and firearms offenses. He is taken to jail. On Saturday afternoon, Eliza's family offers a reward of $50,000 for information on her whereabouts. Early Sunday morning at 3.34 a.m., the police arrest Cleotha Abstin on charges of aggravated kidnapping and tampering with evidence. Officials also release the affidavit related to the case. 
The affidavit shows that Eliza's abduction was violent and was captured on surveillance footage. Eliza has now been missing for 48 hours. On Monday, September 5th, at precisely 5.07 p.m., while searching near a vacant home in Memphis, the police discover Eliza's remains in tall grass alongside a discarded garbage bag that appears to contain her purple running shorts. This prompts law enforcement to charge Cleotha Apston with first-degree murder and murder in perpetration of kidnapping. On Tuesday at 10 a.m., Cleotha Apston is brought before a judge for the first time and prosecutors announce their intent to file updated charges. Abstinced bond is set at $500,000. Many in the true crime community are outraged that this monster is even given bond. The guy's been caught on camera abducting Eliza, and she later turns up deceased. At 9 a.m. on Wednesday, Cleotha Abstin appears in court for the second time. He's read the updated charges. Cleotha wears a mask covering his face, so it's impossible to know what he's thinking. This time, the judge revokes his bond and announces that he will be held without bail. As the authorities delve into Cleotha's background, they discover that he served 20 years of a 24-year sentence in prison for especially aggravated kidnapping that occurred in 2000. He was released early in 2020. Had he been left in the prison for the full 24 years, Eliza Fletcher would still be alive. Note that the name he went by back in 2000 was Cleotha Henderson. Cleotha's DNA off those champion slides also connect him to an unsolved crime that occurred on September 21st of 2021. That crime took place in Shelby County, Tennessee, and involved the kidnapping and essay of another female. Cleotha is charged with that offense as well. The kidnapping from 2000, strangely, involved a lawyer who worked at the same firm as Eliza's uncle. Is that a coincidence or not? No one yet knows. During the 2000 incident, a prominent Memphis lawyer, the now late Kemper Durant, was abducted at gunpoint by the then 16-year-old Cleotha Henderson and another person and forced into the trunk of his car. Kemper Durant was driven around Memphis for two hours to various ATMs where he was forced to withdraw cash. At some point when they stopped at a gas station and an armed Memphis housing authority guard walked in, Kemper Durant was able to scream for help and Cleotha and his co-conspirator were caught and put in handcuffs. Note that Cleotha had already been charged as a juvenile five times for aggravated assault 
and was found responsible for another essay case when he was just 14 years old, before the kidnapping of Kemper Durant. Durant demanded the maximum penalty for Cleotha Henderson, and he was given the 24-year prison sentence. We cannot talk to Durant about the incident because he passed away in 2013. What he said back in 2000 was that as he was locked in the trunk of his own car, he could hear Cleotha's buddy saying to him, let's just stop now and let this guy go. But Cleotha refused. Durant believed that were it not for the armed guard intervening, Cleotha Henderson would have taken his life. Cleotha's past is in sharp contrast to Eliza's. As a child, Eliza excelled in sports, and she carried this passion into adulthood. She was also a devout Christian with unwavering faith. When Eliza and Richard married, their lavish wedding was featured in Memphis Magazine. The reception was held in a custom tent with a hand-painted wood floor. Eliza was, after all, an heiress to a billion-dollar fortune. As Cleotha Abstin settles into his new home behind bars, which I personally pray becomes his permanent residence, Eliza's family is left to deal with the gaping hole in their lives. Two little boys will grow up without their mother. And with the knowledge of the brutality that this monster inflicted on their loved one. On September 10th, Eliza was laid to rest at the Second Presbyterian Church in Memphis. It's the same church where she married Richard in 2014. The church's senior pastor told the many mourners, Eliza didn't have the resume of a world changer. She struggled through school, and her college soccer career was cut short. She battled her way to finish college. Then she got her master's degree and married Richie and had her beautiful boys and became a kindergarten teacher. She was a light and also a joy. It is right for us to grieve, but let us grieve with hope. Let's carry on the legacy of our dear sister. End quote. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.